When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. We humans live a simple life, happily ignorant of what goes on around us. In 4th century Greece, everyone knew that the earth was flat, covered with a firmament of heavenly bodies. In the 17th century, everyone knew that the sun was the center of the universe. Imagine that I could change your mind about what you think you know in the next half hour or so. Once you have heard my story, it'll change the way you look at the world forever. For most of you, I suggest that you stop listening, you walk away, and you forget what I'm offering. For you select few who believe that you can handle the truth. Well then close your eyes and listen carefully. But don't say that I didn't warn you. I see them. Don't you see them? Mmm, that's odd, isn't it? Thomas captivated me in the first few moments that I had met him. Day in and day out as a psychologist at Windsor, one of the oldest mental health institutes in Ohio, I grew used to meeting the same types of patients all the time. Manic depressives, addicts, and the occasional schizophrenic. Nothing of note. Certainly nothing that would get me published in the Oxford Journal. Until Thomas, that is. Thomas was a genius with a higher IQ than Einstein. As an academic prodigy, a largely unpleasant person, and an outsider who thought that he was superior to others, Thomas believed that his characteristic qualities exempted him from the societal rules that governed all other people. In other words, a sociopath. But the most irritating thing about him was that he was good at it. It made me want to like him despite his offensive personality. I consistently tried to appease him, acting as if he was correct and failing to see his hallucinations was a character defect on my part. Are they here now, Thomas? He sighed. Yeah, doctor. They're always here. Here, there, pretty much everywhere you look. He was speaking of his friends, of course. Lilliputian men who followed him around. He claimed that they were constantly with him, watching over him. Or perhaps just watching him. 
They were everywhere, he claimed. There was nowhere he could go to be alone. Even in his locked room, they had the ability to crawl under the door. I could sense that he was becoming frustrated, and to be honest, so was I. Pushed too far, Thomas would fall silent, and then refuse to participate in our sessions, sessions that I had come to look forward to for the next few days. I had tried to address the incident that had finally brought him to Windsor. He had somehow managed on the outside for a surprising amount of time, giving his, uh, condition. I relaxed into my chair and tented my hands. Well, perhaps you should be going back to your room for a rest for a while. I called an orderly and had him escort Thomas back to his room. Thomas and I both referred to it as his room, to avoid calling it what it was. A cell. There were no padded walls, no steel door, but it contained nothing other than a steel shelf with a thin mattress as a bed, a table and stool bolted to one center block wall, and a stainless steel toilet with no lid. Thomas's only possession was a small pink rubber ball. That seemed safe enough. When he first arrived, we had allowed him to have a nub of a pencil and a pad of paper so that he could write down ideas and record dreams, what I thought might provide insight into his way of thinking. We had to take those away from him after he used the pencil, only two inches long by design, to stab a nurse in the ear. He did that just for fun, by the way. Now he isn't even allowed a pencil during his group therapy, although I do allow him to doodle during our sessions, against the better judgment of my superiors. Thomas would often comment that, were it not for his friends, he would go crazy being locked in with nothing to keep his mind active. He could regularly be heard talking behind his closed door, and some of the staff even swore that he heard other voices answering him. There's a name for that sort of paranoia. It's called folly a deux. It's a shared psychosis, a usually harmless condition in which two or more people share the same delusions. Owing to Thomas's unusual intelligence, it was no surprise that he had the ability to bend the imaginations of his nurses and orderlies. He could be very convincing. He often had me self-guessing myself. Thomas was unexpectedly chatty the next day. The orderly who had delivered him to my office took me aside and said that the nurses had heard him conversing with his friends throughout the night. They said that he sounded excited and was even shouting at times. And, of course, some claimed that they heard other voices responding. Nevertheless, I felt it would be a good time to bring up the incident. Do you know why you're here, Thomas? Damn, I shouldn't have started off with an open-ended question like that. He spent the next 20 minutes in a discourse about the philosophies of Kierkegaard and Nietzsche, and providing his own thoughts on existentialism. He did not misunderstand my question. He was toying with me, but I allowed it in the hope that he would open up about the incident. He loved to talk especially about himself. Once he got going, 
he was easy to guide into other subjects, going down the rabbit hole, as it were. I never knew where we would end up. Neither of us did. Thomas, you had previously told me that your mother could not handle you anymore. I broached the subject. I've spoken with her and it sounds as if she acknowledges your intelligence and loves you very much. So, whose idea was it to have you to come to Windsor? He furrowed his brow. Now doctor, don't test me. You know very well that no one can force me to do anything that I do not agree with. My dear mother tried homeschooling, as you are aware, because she loves me very much. She asked me to check myself in, for a short period, because she was concerned about my recent changes in behavior. She does not, and cannot, understand. She is of a mediocre intellect. Now, I don't say that as an insult, it's just the truth. Nevertheless, I love her and I want to make her happy. And this makes her happy? Having you here and not at home with her? He shrugged and looked out the barred window to our left, exhibiting his mounting uneasiness. You know, I'm really getting bored of this doctor. Why don't you get to the point or send me back to my room? I don't want to miss lunch. I hear it's a meat cutlet today, he chuckled. Though, they never told me what it is a cutlet of. Is it pork? Is it chicken? I mean, do they even know? I call this bluff. Alright then, Thomas, you obviously know what I want to talk about. So why don't you just go ahead? We could talk for as long as you want, or... I pause for effect. I can have the orderly take you back to your room. You know, so that you don't miss lunch. Fine, Thomas paused. Well, mother couldn't handle me anymore. She knew. She knew how smart I am. She'd tell the teachers that was why I wasn't getting along well at school. I was smarter than the other kids. Hell, smarter than most of the teachers, and they were jealous. They would pick on me and bully me. Not just the kids, the teachers too. They had the nerve to send me to the school counselor. <laughs> me. Not the bullies. The counselors would make me so mad with their stupid questions. Not very much unlike yours, doctor. Well, I finally beat her with a paperweight. It was nice. The paperweight, that is. It was just big enough to fit in my fist. It was smooth pink marble heavy. They had to pry it out of my hand. I wanted to keep it, but the Cretans wouldn't let me. I don't know why. She wouldn't be interested in it anymore. I had already known the background, but it was startling to hear him talk about it so calmly. So, I encouraged him. Your father, where was he during all this? Thomas shook his head. Gone? He was gone. Mother said he was ashamed of me. He'd never discuss me with his friends, even when they asked. He probably could have dealt with my little outbursts. But after he saw my friends, well, he just, uh, he went away. I was aware that Thomas's father went away, as he called it. I knew, however, that he hadn't left his wife and son. 
he had committed suicide. I was certain that Thomas knew that, but as with his delusions, I allowed him the fantasy that he had invented for himself. Thomas's last sentence was what caught my attention, though. Thomas, you said that he went away after he saw your friends, and so I'm curious, did your father see them too? He leaned forward in his seat, conspiratorially, now interested in what I was saying. Well, not at first. Initially, he was just like everyone else. He didn't believe me, but then I taught him the secret. Secret? And what secret is that, Thomas? He smiled. You know, I'm, I'm getting awfully tired now, Doctor. I was up late last night. I should probably go. Thomas, I protested. I mean, what secret? You can't leave me hanging. He turned and placed his hands on my desk, his face so close that I could smell the stink of his breakfast on his breath. Well, you can't look directly at them, doctor, he whispered. Not at first. They won't let you. You can only see them when they don't want to be seen. The orderly took him away. He turned his head as they crossed the threshold and called back. Only when they don't want to be seen, doctor. The orderly closed my office door. I twisted around in my seat to pull Thomas's file out. And I could have sworn that I saw something. Out of the corner of my eye, a tiny man standing there and staring at me. But when I turned my head, he was gone. I could hear Thomas laughing as the orderly marched him down the hall. Now are your eyes still closed? Good. Don't peek now. The next few days were filled with madness. At first, I laughed at myself because I'd become so jumpy, seeing things that weren't there whenever I turned a corner or walked into a room. Then I started becoming concerned when it became virtually impossible to concentrate on anything else. I grew to hate Thomas for the thoughts that he had put into my head. I canceled our daily sessions and then referred him to another psychologist. I thought that being away from his influence for a while would allow me to forget what he had said. Nevertheless, I continued to see them. The little men and now it seemed that they were becoming bolder, entering my field of vision a smidge more, idling there a bit longer. Weeks passed in this manner before I finally decided to confront Thomas and put an end to this folly once and for all. I had Thomas sit down and ask the orderly to close the door and wait outside my office. As soon as Thomas and I were alone, I bared my soul to him and I should have known better than to do that with a sociopath like him. I was desperate, though. But I managed to keep that fact to myself. I explained why I had stopped seeing him, and told them that if he went on in this vein, even continuing to insist on the very existence of these Lilliputians, I would stop seeing him again. Thomas bent closer to me, lowered his voice, his face playful and wicked. Doubt is a poison, doctor. 
you see it's a drug, as addictive and self-destructive as any other. Do not allow it to rob you of your senses. Do not let it take this away from you. You are so close now. I had nighttime visitors. The first time I woke to them, I immediately asked myself if there had been other visitors before. In the dim light, they seemed braver, no longer hiding themselves. A chill shook my body, but I remained calm. Um, hello? It came out as a question instead of the declaration I had intended it to be. And then, I'll be damned. They answered me. Well, at least they thought they answered me. They could have just been talking amongst themselves. They spoke in a language unknown to me. I stared at them and listened to them speak, ignorant of what it was they were saying, until one by one, they ambled away. Going, I not know where. I could not wait to speak to Thomas the next day. I had my assistant clear the entire morning and asked them to bring Thomas down earlier than normal. I told him what had happened, and he was so excited. We both were. He finally had a friend, yes. I was now a friend, who understood him, and I finally had a subject for my paper. I could already see it in the Oxford. What title would I use? Well, my thoughts raced with hundreds of ideas. I ran them by Thomas, asked for his help. I even asked them. Them. But I could not understand their responses. Not yet, anyway. Thomas promised that I would someday. I spent the better part of a year putting together the article, allowing Thomas to proof it, and then distributed copies to my peers for their review. I was so excited, and then I had my hopes dashed to smithereens. Dr. Eli, my esteemed colleague at the institution, entered my office unannounced one morning. He left the door open so that everyone could hear, and he viciously threw the unbound manuscript on my desk, scattering the pages out of order. What in God's name is this, doctor? Is this some sort of a elaborate joke? A 300-page fairy tale? His face, already red with anger, began turning darker, perhaps even purple. Accepting deviant minds. Why hallucinations are as real as the self. He hissed the title I had chosen. Took me a week to come up with that. I was very proud of it. He went on and on. I'll admit that I went blank and only heard snippets of what he was yelling about. Wasting my time, demanding an apology, I'll have your job. But all I could say for certain is that with each harsh word, my friends became more annoyed. I saw them all the time now. I'm not sure about the details of what happened next. I remember that my gaze drifted toward the crystal paperweight on my desk the one I had been given when I received the Mental Health Provider of the Year, for back in 2007. I recalled what Thomas had done to his school's counselor. The paperweight he had used sounded much prettier, but I was certain that this one would do nicely. 
Before I was aware of what had happened, two orderlies were wrestling me to the floor while a nurse injected me with a strong sedative. My colleague lay on the floor in a pool of blood. It was still gushing in spurts from a head wound, so his heart must have been still beating. I'm happy that I had showed enough restraint to avoid killing him. Now, they didn't let me keep the paperweight either. That's okay. I never really liked it that much. It was very garish. I just felt obliged to keep it since someone had gone through the trouble of having my name etched into it. And now I no longer have an office. I have a room, just like Thomas's. In fact, I'm down the hall. My psychiatrist thought that staying at Windsor where all the other staff knew me would not be conducive to my recovery. I pleaded, however. I convinced him since Thomas and I shared a similar delusion, it might be best to treat us in unison. It took a considerable amount of coaxing, but I think that the mention of co-authoring an article for the Oxford Academic Journal, when I felt better of course, was what finally caused him to give in. To be honest though, I simply wanted to be near Thomas. He was the only other person in the world who understood me. For now. They come here every night. I see them. Don't you see them? Hmm. That's odd, isn't it? Are your eyes still closed? Good. On the count of three, I want you to open them. When you do, look straight ahead, but pay attention to what is in your peripheral vision. I am confident that you will be very surprised. Remember, you can only see them when they don't want to be seen. At first. Are you ready? One. Two. Three. <laughs> 